passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Like I said, I don't want to be given a title match. I want to, I want to earn it. And uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Well, with that said, right. Steph, Let's if you will do official. the honors. Uh, Kurt? You want to say something? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just in awe of Triple H and Stephanie. They're brilliant. They really are. I mean, <laughs> you know, they've been, I've been listening to them talk, to you, talk about you ever since I came back to the WWE. They couldn't wait to have you here. They couldn't wait to have you here because they wanted to manipulate you for what you did to them at WrestleMania 21. Or WrestleMania 31. You know when you flip Triple H onto his back and you almost broke Stephanie's arm? They wanna they wanna put their thumb on you and keep you down. Come on, let's make this official. Let's make you a WWE superstar. Whoa, whoa, Stephanie, one last thing. Didn't you tell me in your office that Rhonda was a has-been and that even you could take her? Didn't you didn't you say that? Hello, folks. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting coming at you late on a Sunday night after the Elimination Chamber, where all that is left is Wei and I. How are you, Wei? Pretty good. Who's who's going to be the last one? Huh? Oh, I'll put I'll put you over in a heartbeat, Wei. Oh, thanks, man. I just want to get out of here. I just want to go to WrestleMania. <laughs> well, all you have to do is point. You got to just point. Unless you're John Cena, you got to find an alternate route. Mm. Yeah, got to maybe uh, maybe you're going to be uh, working spring break or some of the other shows that weekend if you're John Cena. He really should have pointed harder. I think that was the difference. Yeah, I mean the WrestleMania sign. It's it's everyone's coveting that sign. The sign feels like it's the the popular girl, and everyone's pointing at her. Mm-hmm. You got to really make. Maybe you got to go above and beyond that. Maybe it's like you know throw something at it or yeah, or maybe climb up to like the second deck and. Just deface like, it. Deface yeah. it. Ooh. Well, yes. no. That wouldn't be good. John Cena's WrestleMania. What? Per, I mean, he just writes. He he becomes the title sponsor of the show. Really hard not to have a big role when it's John Cena's WrestleMania. Mm. Interesting. We're going to talk a little bit later on. Did you see any of Raw Talk? No, not really. I didn't have time to watch it. No. Okay. There might have been something on that show that was better than anything on the Elimination Chamber show, oh, perhaps. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's let's not build it up that big, but there was something really great on it. I've, I've only seen one segment. We are actually going to get through a lot 
on this show. Way, this might be our longest show of all time. Okay. Well, why is that? We're going to chat about Elimination Chamber, which was 18 hours. Uh, we're going to briefly go through the highlights of the two Honor Rising shows from this past weekend. Won't go match by match with a whole rundown, but I just want to go over some of the notes. I've seen both shows. And New Japan, they had a Sunday night news dump right in between Ronda Rousey's contract signing and the main event where they announced the New Japan Cup brackets as well as uh, some of the key matches for the Long Beach show. So we will go over those as well. And then, as if that's not enough we're going to go to your feedback because we do want to give you, the listener, your voice uh, to be heard. Yeah, I wonder if that news dump was strategic at all or if it just – I don't think so because it, it was it was announced ahead of time to be coming out at, at noon their time in Japan. Uh-huh. So I think it just happened to coincide. But it was literally happening right as the Rousey angle ended and you had that buffer in between the Rousey angle and the start of the chamber match. So it was – Great. It was like great timing. 15 minutes of everyone going crazy about the, the announcements they were making. Oh, it was perfect timing, especially for the Long Beach uh, show announcements. Yeah, so all of that is to come. But we turn the clock back to 7 p.m. Eastern time and the start of a very lengthy uh, four-hour and 22-minute event, which I think will be the standard way. I think this is the bare minimum we can expect for... Monthly pay-per-view shows. Yeah, I mean, well, it's been this. It's been like this for a long, long time. Well, we got a big overrun on this show, and I, I don't think it's going to be so much as an overrun as this will just be the regular from this point forward. Okay. Yep. So we were in Las Vegas, the T-Mobile Arena, the same arena where Cain Velasquez had his last fight, defeating Travis Brown, and here we are. A year and a half later, and both men were in the audience to watch Elimination Chamber. Cain Velasquez was there, too. Cain Velasquez was there with Daniel Cormier because they're in the midst of of filming Tough. Interesting. Wow. And wasn't this where Ronda had her last fight? This was where Ronda had her last fight with Amanda Nunez, yes. Wow. Which was never brought up on this broadcast. I don't know why. I don't think anybody... I don't think they care to mention Amanda Nunez. Yeah, I was being facetious there, but that oh. was not brought up. Uh, it's probably probably not allowed to be brought up. And some other luminaries in in attendance included, uh, we had Travis Brown, Daniel Cormier, Cain Velasquez, Michael Chiesa was there. I believe Joseph Benavidez was in attendance. So there was quite a UFC contingent there. Interesting. Okay. One man that was not there, but was in Las Vegas was Brock Lesnar. And should we chat about this first? Sure. The photo. Dana White is a master promoter. This guy wakes up and he just thinks, what am I going to do today? Because odds are whatever I think, I have a good opportunity of doing it. And I'm going to really mess with the entire fan base tonight because right as everyone is sitting down to watch Elimination Chamber with the key focus being Ronda Rousey and her involvement, Dana White... The man that has been an emoji user before they were an instant option on your phone. This is a guy that loves the winking emoji. He loves to just bust out one of these. He when, looks like uh, an emoji. He is an emoji. Yeah. He's the angry red face yeah. emoji. And, you know, typically when I, th- I think it was either an Elite XC card or maybe an Affliction show and they had a bad card and he just put out like a wink, uh, an emoji with like the... The winky face or the... It was anyway. either that or the announcement that they had bought it, right? 
he, he's done so many of them, yeah. uh, so I can't keep them all straight. But tonight, it was just a big smiling emoji where he was pictured next to a enormous Brock Lesnar wearing a UFC t-shirt, which John Morgan of MMA Junkie confirmed the photo was taken on Sunday. So this was not some stock photo. And there was Brock in a day early for his advertised appearance on Raw, meeting with Dana White. Contract season has begun way and let all the speculation begin because this is Brock at his finest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Smart. Uh, You know, uh, gets the public's attention, gets people talking. There is no harm that can come from this for Brock Lesnar. Uh, Nor even for not for Dana White either. The tip off will be what kind of a match he has with Roman Reigns this year. If he has a Dean Ambrose match, then there's there's. There's some uh, smoke to the fire, isn't there? Of him leaving or going to the UFC? Yeah. I mean, if he's getting ready for a fight camp or he's in, uh, he's going to just take it easy with Roman. Well, I feel like he will somehow manage to continue to do both, just like he did for his last fight. Um, I, it seems to me like Brock, in the end, wants to make as much money as possible. And if it's double dipping in both your MMA and your professional wrestling career, I, I mean... I don't see why he would give one up for the other unless he can't do one. What's also outstanding, not to mention his contract, which we know it expires at some point after WrestleMania. What isn't known is what the actual expiration is because um, that part's not known. It's been speculated. There might be some rollover effect until the summer that he could actually do something. There's also his USADA suspension, which was frozen a year ago that he still has to serve six months of, Mm. which there has been nothing to suggest that he quietly re-entered the USADA testing pool and has been serving that time. Mm. That said, if he were to re-enter the USADA pool, because I've asked about this, USADA is not going to release that information. The UFC could release that information, but Brock could quietly re-enter the pool and it would essentially be on them to release that information. But hmm. there is nothing to suggest he has re-entered that pool. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just kind of run, run along with that thread. And let's say if Brock were to come back, where would you see him making his first fight for the UFC? Well, are we going under the assumption that he has six months to serve? Not necessarily. I mean, if, if what you say is true, then uh, he could be serving it right now without everybody knowing. But do you think that, you know, I think the date that everybody's thinking about is International Fight Week in, what is it, June, July? Yeah, well, that's where the WWE, the language in the WWE contract becomes important because some believe he won't be free to fight until August. Hmm. Um, to, I, I would imagine, given the last contract with Lesnar, where it came down to the buzzer with WrestleMania being the expiration that I could see them when they re-signed him having some kind of leeway so that the biggest show of the year is not your, like you're, you're putting yourself at the mercy of Brock Lesnar when this is the biggest show of the year. Mm -hmm. And how are you planning? How are you booking this match and your next series of months after that, when you've got such a big contract due, it would make sense on their part to have some kind of uh, rollover so that there's, there's some leeway in the negotiations and not built towards the biggest show of the year. True. But, I mean, all this talk just kind of leads me to think that we are very likely to receive a Roman Reigns championship victory at WrestleMania. I would think that regardless of Brock's status. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but getting back to your question, I think what's a really important date is this Tuesday, because this Tuesday is John Jones hearing in front of the California State Athletic Commission over his drug test failure. And his side believes that he's going to get a reduced sentence. And that becomes very interesting. If he ends up getting a slap on the wrist and it's a year, that would put him out until the end of July. And then he's free to fight. And that's certainly the fight that they wanted to make. What what does it what does it say about I think our intrigue of like um, superstars in mixed martial arts when the two people that I think um, the UFC are, are hinging their success on for this show are two people who are currently suspended? By yeah, Usada. yep. It's it's kind of just the reality of the situation, and and both got relatively tame. Well, I shouldn't say John Jones because we don't know what his suspension. Sh- is going to be, it could be a lot more given it's not his, his first offense. Um, but Lesnar getting a year for what he did, um, which was actually, um, a pair of failures. They were all attached to that same fight. Um, but that's the fight I think that they would try to make if, if they are able to get Brock Lesnar for one more fight. And for some reason, John Jones, uh, gets away with a reduced sentence and it's a year. Then that to me would be the fight you would aim to do in the fall or maybe your year end show. <laughs> this is so weird. We're talking about Brock Lesnar potentially fighting John Jones on a show where we're about we're about to talk about Ronda Rousey appearing at WrestleMania. It's it's all come together. No, there's nothing they they have nothing to do with each other, John. Pro wrestling and MMA, there's nothing. There's nothing to do with each other. Maybe in three years we'll be talking about okay, Joseph let's, Benavides. Let's, Let's break down uh, Joseph Benavidez versus Drake Maverick yeah. uh, for the uh, for the cruiserweight title. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, let Let's get into this show. Uh, started off. Did you watch the kickoff show? I watched half of it. Yeah, I watched the match. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we had Renee Young on the panel with Peter Rosenberg, David Otunga, and the returning Booker T. Uh, Paul Heyman they mentioned was here at the show, and I think everyone assumed. There was going to be something big with Paul Heyman on the show, and there wasn't. He was just a guest at the end of the kickoff show to kind of give your hard sell that whoever wins the chamber match will have a face-off with Brock the next night on Raw. And that was it. No involvement of Heyman on the actual pay-per-view itself. Well, if Brock's here, I imagine he'll he'll be here for Raw. I mean, he's probably here yes. for Raw. Um, but I wonder if there were plans initially to have both him and Brock uh, do something on on the show. I don't think he was needed on this show. No. Sa- save that for Raw. Mm-hmm. There's no need for him on this show. Paige was on the panel, and she said she was disappointed she is not in tonight's match in the Elimination Chamber. And on Ronda Rousey said that she's glad that Ronda's here, but she's used to fighting one or two times a year. In WWE, you can times that by 100. Yes. Yes. Did you tune in in time for the Kurt Angle Twitter Q&A? That I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Always must see when Kurt Angle is on the screen. And this, first of all, he gave an update on Jason Jordan. He had his surgery. He'll be returning soon, but won't make it to WrestleMania. And then Peter Rosenberg asked Kurt, is this John Cena's last opportunity to make it to WrestleMania? And Kurt laughed and just replied, no. Oh, my God. Come on, Peter. That's crazy. <sighs> Like, this is John's Jesus. big angle, and Kurt just, like, laughed it off. Like, I don't know oh, if, come like, on. Kurt simply didn't, 
didn't see the thread and or, or was not aware of the storyline. I mean, I'm I'm amazed that that he gave that answer. It was awesome. It was the highlight of the kickoff for me. <laughs> Man. Oh, okay, okay. Um, do you think Bro- uh, Kurt Angle keeps his role past WrestleMania? Ugh. I'm not optimistic on it. I completely don't think so. I think they would have taken him off right now if they didn't have something planned for him, probably leading into Mania. But when that when that draft comes around, I I don't see Kurt Angle sticking around too long for this. We'll talk about him later, but he to me. He was already, to me, um, veering off into this role that you'll remember when Mick Foley made his return from TNA after all those years, and they brought him back. Here's this former champion, major name in the Attitude Era. He's brought back on a This Is Your Life segment with The Rock, and it was done. It was Afterwards, they said it was supposed to be an intentionally bad segment, and Mick Foley looked like such an idiot, uh, This this former... You know, highly regarded performer. You're talking about the second This Is Your Life. The second. Well, it was probably like the third by this point that they tried, but definitely not the first one. This was like 2011. And that very first night, they had shifted Mick Foley into this goofy character. And tonight, to me, was the exclamation point of putting Kurt Angle into this complete goofball general manager role in the contract signing segment, where he was just... The fool. It's true, but I mean, I, my criticisms of, of Angle, and I think their displeasure of Kurt Angle probably comes from the performances themselves, where, I mean, he hasn't had one outing where he did doesn't fuck up a line, you know? WrestleMania yeah. 21 instead of WrestleMania 31. He did have a memorable WrestleMania 21 with Sean. <laughs> so, I mean, it's yes. it's hard to get that one off of your brain. The kickoff match was Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows against Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. I had to go back and edit uh, my update. I had to take off my match preview of this because I had previewed Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows versus The Revival, not realizing until this match began that The Revival is not in this match at all. I previewed this as if it was The Revival. I was like, this... I I wouldn't have been able to tell you any different because they're all interchangeable right now in this this mix to me. Yes, so there is one less match in my, uh, my preview. So... Gallows started a nerd chant. They went through a commercial break. Axel was in control of Anderson, built up to the hot tag to Gallows. Dallas gets sent to the floor, and they won with the magic killer. Um, predictable finish. Very Just a match. Yeah. I mean, if I guess you can debate this or a match on the main card being the worst match on the show, um, and that's about the only discussion point. This hmm, tag I'm match trying to think have. what else. Oh, okay. Yes, I know what you're referring I think to. there's one glaring yep. match on the main card that people would talk about, um, yep. but this was nothing. It was just a win for Anderson and Gallows. Afterwards, the Revival was interviewed, said that this wasn't their tag team wrestling, and called Anderson and Gallows a mockery of tag team wrestling, pushing that direction. It was sort of an odd, um, seemingly uh, awkward interview with with the Revival. And uh, Scott Dawson, who I think normally is tremendous here, seemed a little bit flustered, perhaps like they were given wacky time cues or something with with the show, with the kickoff nearly running out. Dash, like when he started to speak, he was just cut off. Sorry, we got to (laughs) go. And then Paul Heyman was the final guest on the panel, and he got to play Dana White, Joe Rogan here at the end of the show, pushing the chamber match and the winner getting Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And that started off the official show. And starting off was the you, women's... You, you had Heyman, too. 
briefly, right? That's, that's who I said. Oh, yeah, you did. Heyman, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Heyman playing the role of uh, gotcha. Dana and Brogan. So the women's chamber match kicked off the show as many probably expected it to be put in that position. I thought that was the right call to make. Mm-hmm. Alexa Bliss against Sasha Banks, Bailey, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, and Mickey James for the Raw women's title. And the rules they outlined, two would start, and then every five minutes a new entrant would enter the match. And it started with Bailey and Sonya Deville. Now, first of all, uh, Deville and Mandy Rose were probably the two that everyone was going to be hyper focused on. Mm-hmm. How did you feel these two performed in such a big setting? Easily the biggest matches of their careers. Yeah, hyper focused on certainly coming off of that terrible performance from both of them on Monday, I thought, especially Mandy. I thought both did perfectly fine here. Uh, I'm sure neither were uh, Mandy, I'm sure, especially was, you know, very not very proud of Monday. And I think. The women realize what type of a spotlight is on them, and I thought everybody played their role really well here, Mandy and Sonia included. They didn't; they weren't left there to be exposed. I thought mm. the booking of this match was it, it favored everybody. They didn't mm. rely too heavily on Deville and Rose, but they weren't hidden either. Yeah, true. So um, I thought that they deserved some credit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Deville was in first. The third entrant, this made all the sense in the world, was Mandy Rose. So they were able to double team Bailey and put her in that that babyface underdog role until yeah. you, Sasha was was the fourth one in. Yeah, you had the war games dynamic in play where you had two heels putting a babyface at a disadvantage until the time limit runs out and a new babyface comes in for for basically the the hot tag, the save, and you don't have a babyface in this division more sympathetic than Bailey. So putting her in that role to start off the match, I thought was really smart. So it turned into a tag match when Sasha was the fourth one in, and this culminated with a bank statement applied to Mandy Rose for the first elimination of the match. And then Mickey James came in fifth. And Mickey's big spot was getting to the top of the pod and coming off with a Fez press to eliminate Sonya Deville. Mm-hmm. Look good. Banks immediately hit James with a backstabber after James had eliminated DeVille into a Bailey to belly and they eliminated Mickey James before Alexa could even get into the match. And Alexa's facial reaction to this was great. She looked frightened that her only ally has been eliminated. And here are Sasha Banks and Bailey awaiting Alexa's entry into the match. And Alexa did a lot of great stuff in this match, even inside of the pod before she even entered the match. It's true, yeah. I, I was a little uh, surprised that they would uh, eliminate Mickey so soon because the, the, the I think, the, um, relationship that's received the most build before this chamber has been that of Mickey and Alexa. So I thought for sure there would be some interaction between the two of them in the match itself. Perhaps uh, Alexa turning on Mickey in the middle of the match, but instead they just kind of left off with uh, Mickey being eliminated first and Alexa looking disappointed. So so they're trying to tell everybody that this alliance was actually serious and real. Or they just want to prolong it. Like if we're going into sure. a, an Alexa Naya program, mm. I mean, that it kind of lends itself that Mickey is still her, her backup and eventually is just led to slaughter here by Alexa mm. that she sacrifices her to Naya and maybe they just want to prolong it a bit more beyond this one match. Yeah, good point. Uh, Bliss is the final one in. She's climbing up the cage, trying to escape. Banks and Bailey corner her. They keep chasing her. And then as Banks goes to help up Bailey on top of the pod, Banks kicks her down and 
Bailey lands on the mat and it's everyone for themselves as Bailey and Banks start fighting here. Bailey hit a Bailey to belly off the turnbuckle, but then Bliss capitalized, rolling up Bailey to eliminate her, uh, leaving it to Bliss and and Banks. And this certainly way emphasized Banks and Bailey as a possible direction for WrestleMania. I really hope they don't find themselves in some multi-woman title match at WrestleMania. I hope they can get a singles match out of this because I I like this interaction. Me too. Me too. I thought Sasha was at her best here in this match. Uh, And I think a big part of that is because you finally get to see a mean Sasha. And we know that a mean Sasha is the best Sasha. Um, I really loved the chase around the top of the cage when Alexa was let out and they basically like did like almost half a lap around the cage, just climbing. I thought that was really inventive and, and, and a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, Bailey, I thought, you know, because she has such a great heel to play off of in Sasha Banks, I think this reinvigorates Bailey too. So the two of them, I agree. I hope they, sh- they are in a singles match. I think now is the time when they have, seemingly the most um attention and uh the big mo behind them uh, more so than any any other time in their careers to do this so i hope they go ahead and execute it uh and then moments later uh first bliss went for the twisted bliss and landed on sasha's knees moments later she climbed to the top of the pod and went for the twisted bliss to sasha who was standing on the panel outside of the ring she mm-hmm. hit it but then banks like recovered immediately and applied the bank statement. They rolled into the ring. Bliss escaped that. And then Bliss was able to drill Banks into the into the front of the pod and hit a top rope DDT to pin Sasha. And Alexa wins this match clean. 29 minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah. Seeing them, the women's per match on, on Monday, that six-woman tag, I thought there was no way their chamber match would compete with the men's this year. And they definitely proved me wrong. I mean, certainly it helped that this match opened the show. But even if this was put on last, I think we would have all left the show feeling very satisfied. I thought it was really well booked from start to finish. A lot of great interaction between Bailey and Sasha. Sasha feels like a star again coming out of this. And I thought there were some very creative spots using the structure that we hadn't seen before. Like when Sasha kicked her knee through the leg, or sorry, through the the, the fence and, and trapping herself there, allowing uh, Alexa to, to deliver like a back breaker to Sasha. I thought that was really cool. Um, it all, I also love the fact that Alexa looked strong coming out of this and she didn't just kind of chicken her way or like fluke her way into a victory. She won clean with what looks to be a new draping DDT finisher. So I, I really liked the match. Yeah, I thought this was a case of this match really overachieving and maybe the main event with the men underachieving. Um, I, I really like the booking of this match. Mm-hmm. I kinda, uh, There was a lot on this show where I, I thought the... The booking was was very good, and yeah, the match. I, I liked the match. It was it was well above what I anticipated. So a good start to the show, and this was like forty five minutes in by the time this match uh, ended. Renee Young interviewed Alexa in the ring afterwards, and Alexa is almost crying here, which would be a theme on this show, I guess, for some of the women. She said that this victory is about every little girl and woman in the audience that ever dreamt big, and. It was just total babyface delivery to the point that it was so over the top. You knew what was coming, but still her execution of it was just great. She had tears in her eyes, and then all of a sudden she gets serious and said, looking at all the people out there, you're never going to accomplish your dreams. And she says Mm -hmm. that no one 
is better than her. The odds were stacked against her. She still won, and she is the one true goddess in the WWE. Yeah, this wasn't quite Mark Henry level in terms of, you know, making you believe that she was very serious with her tears. But nonetheless, I thought it was still great and very entertaining. I mean, you if they had left with her simply cutting like this out of place, very heartwarming, uh, rah-rah, you know, girl power promo, it would have felt really weird. So I think she delivered the, the, the swerve that I think everybody was looking for. And by the end, it was quite satisfying. So, I mean, I feel like at the end of this, you you leave this match with three stars that I think have uh, coming come out of this match with a lot more character and story attached to them. And I, I mean, obviously, that being Bailey, Sasha and Alexa, who I think all benefited greatly from this. Kurt Angle was shown entering Ronda Rousey's uh, locker room, which was kind of interesting because I guess this early on, Kurt was not being all that truthful. And then it would all come out later. And not during this private meeting. Braun Strowman had a selfie promo. I thought we were going to get selfie promos from all seven guys. It turned out, I think Braun was the only one who had one on this whole show. Well, thank goodness. Of all the people, they were like, we got to get one in. So it's got to be Braun. He's got to be the selfie promo. Well, he does love his social media. He says all he needs is these hands. And he will make Brock Lesnar his pet beastie boy. So he's really running with that line. Sheamus and Cesaro took on Apollo and Titus O'Neil for the Raw tag titles. I guess there was a slip-up by one of the people on the desk during the kickoff calling him Apollo Crews and was uh, immediately corrected. Just yeah. Apollo. Just Apollo. Did, do you know of any bigger story behind that? I mean, there, I, I don't know the, the official hmm. reasoning behind it. It's been theorized that it had to do with the, uh, with the Parkland shooter, his last name being Cruz. Hmm. Um, I mean, I can see that. I can see that mm. being a, a reason for it. Um, <laughs> I guess so. That That's the only thing. That's, that's so the only weird. reason that's been thrown out. I haven't heard yeah. any other one other than it could have just been dropping a last name for the sake of it. But given yeah. this character has been up for so long, I, I don't think mm-hmm. that it was just all of a sudden. Oh, it's the last name that that isn't working. You think I Tom mean, Cruise? You think Tom Cruise is considering a name change? Uh, Tom. Just Tom. Just Tom. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, we had Sheamus and Cesaro jump them before the bell rang. I mean, I feel bad criticizing this match because it was good. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I thought this match would be. If I closed my eyes, this is exactly what I would have pictured this match being. Uh, you know, the audience got into it. I don't think anyone bought Apollo and Titus winning this match. Uh, it Big spot with Sheamus leaping off the top, and he was caught with the clash of the Titus. Cesaro made the save. And then Cruz took out both of them with a Topicon hero to the floor. Cesaro came back. He clipped the knee of Apollo, who took a second to register this. And then Sheamus lifted up Apollo for the white noise. Cesaro came off the middle rope, and it was a assisted white noise. And Sheamus pinned Apollo. Ten minutes, two seconds. I mean, I, I thought they had, you know, I mean, not only were there, not only are they dealing with sort of a, a tag team combination that isn't necessarily all that heated but they kind of had a tough act to follow with a big chamber match prior to this right so uh it it and the crowd was into it it's not like they were dead for this coming off that match so i mean i'm not criticizing it's just it was it was exactly what i would expect to see it and what i have seen on raw it wasn't meant to steal the show in the end it was simply meant as a match to build the bar up before wrestlemania and i thought it achieved that there is no one I want to see move brands more than Cesaro to SmackDown. 
That's the one move I want to see. I Could think, you imagine him in that main mix on SmackDown? Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to break up the team well, after the draft. They could. I mean, if they feel like they've done everything they, they can. But I think the bar together go on, on, in that SmackDown mix would be quite good. What do you see for the Raw tag titles at WrestleMania? Is this just going to be yeah. all the teams thrown together? This one could be a multi-man match. Like one of these things has to be a multi-man match, right? Uh, and that- I, I can't see these tag titles getting their own th- – th- this own yeah. uh, well, champion it, challenger. Who would it be? Like the Revival? I mean, yeah. there's no uh, Gallows and Anderson. I just think all the teams are going to be thrown in. Or you'll see these teams in the Andre Battle Royal because mm-hmm. you've got to fill up that match with someone. True, true. You got you got to find 30, 40 guys for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, on the SmackDown side of things, I definitely think the Usos, uh, after that stat was brought up last week, I definitely think they're due for some type of match. Uh, I I can also see the Bludgeon Brothers getting a spot. Um, but, yeah, I could see that being a multi-person match, too, and maybe that means the other one might just be an Andre kickoff thing. I would love if Raw and SmackDown, they just consolidated these tag titles at WrestleMania. That would be wonderful. Cesaro and Sheamus against the Usos at WrestleMania. I'm down. Mm. You're going to get get a lot more of these, though, especially if they're doing only single-brand pay-per-views, where one month you'll have a Raw title defense, and then another month you'll have a SmackDown title defense. But at WrestleMania, I'm sure everybody wants wants to defend their belts. Oh, I think you're going to have every single pay-per-view is going to be both big titles being defended. I I think it's going to be... That's too much. Like, if anything, it'll be the secondary titles that are consolidated, but I don't even know if that's a given. Mm. Then, way we had a close-up of an Oscar mask that had fallen off of the merchandise uh, stand backstage because if you work in the WWE, you have access to merchandise. (laughs) And it just zoomed in, and then all of a sudden, this foot stepped on top of the Oscar mask, and it was Nia Jax. And I was distracted for the next 10 minutes just envisioning how this happened. Where did this mask come from? How did a cameraman find it? And then Nia Jax was right there to find this mask. Um, good question. I don't know. Maybe they... That poor mask. This could have been staged, John. I, I mean, I hate to theorize. I know it's shocking. Uh, I'm saving my... Uh... Remind me before the end of the Ronda Rousey segment if I forget to talk about the slap. Okay, just remind me. Okay, all right. Nia Jax and Asuka. Maybe of all the matches, this was maybe not the most curious, but maybe the second in terms of the booking of this match, the layout. I was very uh, interested in how Mm -hmm. they were going to do this. And it's not all that different than with Braun Strowman in that they had the monster who was going to lose, but they were going to protect at all costs in doing so before they beat them. So Jax is dominating Oscar at the beginning curb stomped her face right into the mat, holding the arms back. Cool move. Yeah. A, like bo- a borrowed move. I guess this was like the more vicious curb stomp than Seth's. I mean, how can you be that outraged by Seth's version as compared to this? Guess so. This is more like execution style, I'd say. Like just yeah. holding a person's arms back and just boom. So Asuka gets dropped from the turnbuckle and Jax climbs up for a bonsai drop and misses, crashing onto the mat. This was followed with Jax missing a somersault splash and then she ran shoulder first into the post. So the idea was Asuka was too quick getting out of the way and Naya was defeating herself here through her power moves that were missing. 
So Oscar went for a flying arm bar, locked it on, but then Jack's posturing up and uh, much like way when we would do our rolling, ran Oscar into the turnbuckle to break free. <laughs> Jack's then yelled, I'm going to WrestleMania, lifted up Oscar for a power bomb, and then it was countered with the uh, head scissors into the victory roll, the Momo latch, and pinned Nia Jax. Who does that at- move? Who's the Momo Latch? Uh, this was popularized by uh, Momo Nakanishi, the oh. former uh, Japanese star. Cool. And this ended at 8 minutes, 11 seconds. Asuka wins. But then in case you didn't get the point that Naya is dominant, she is the monster. She attacked Asuka after, sent her to the floor, shoved Asuka uh, into the post, and then ran her through the barricade by the timekeeper's area as Coachman called Jax a sore loser. And what did you think of this way? I thought they wrestled a really good David versus Goliath match. Um, the story was, yes, like you said, uh, Asuka using her speed to make Naya beat herself. And I think Naya, again, has really come a long way. I think she recently has really been able to embrace that giant's role that the division sorely needs. She seems so confident, and I think a lot of her offense looks a lot better now. The crowd was invested in this match. They were reacting to a lot of the big spots, like like uh, like that bonsai drop. And, you know, having Asuka win via sort of that desperation pinfall, it helps. Number one, they're not going to end the streak, okay, for, for a match like this. I mean, that would be so dumb. Yeah. You protect the streak, at least all the way until WrestleMania. And then you... I, I really didn't mind Naya's attack of Asuka after this because Naya is going to challenge for your other title. And, I mean, you, I, would, I suppose I would question why they would even book this match in the first place. But by the end of it, I mean... Naya looked dominant. Asuka looked good. Uh, and they kept cutting to the cameras in the back showing Alexa watching. And I think this was interesting because they want to create the diversion that Asuka will be challenging Alexa. And Alexa looked to be happy that Naya was attacking Asuka when, in fact, it's going to turn out that she will be fighting Naya. Yeah, I think that you can have... I, I thought way too much was given to Naya here. I still think that Asuka is still a... She's not a finished product to the audience yet as this mm-hmm. as this world beater and this top star going into WrestleMania. Uh, that that aside, I feel that her going to SmackDown and challenging Charlotte, that's a big match for people. And I think it's almost as though the, the thinking of she's leaving this show and this is kind of just moving on while not ending the streak or anything ridiculous like that. And what you can do is that once you set her up with Charlotte, Alexa can cut the promo that... Well, she beat all the women. She's taking WrestleMania off. Mm-hmm. And then that is where what I could see happening is a couple of weeks from now, maybe even a month later, they do a women's gauntlet match on Raw. Yeah, sure. And and then you further kind of tell the story. But do you give them another chance, though? Like, do you want somebody like a Bailey and Sasha failing again to get that WrestleMania spot? I mean, they failed at the Rumble. They failed at the Elimination Chamber. You're going to give them another chance? Well, I think that you're going to have to do something to set up the challenger, and there's no way you can't involve Bailey and Sasha. So mm-hmm. the or short answer is yes. Or can you just give Nia the, the shot coming off of this match? Are they justified in doing that? Um, I don't know. You'd have to consult the rankings. Yeah. Unfortunately, there isn't a top 10 on, on Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so that that's going to create some issue with Oscar. I mean, she's not on the top ten either, and mm. she might get a title shot out of this. Mm-hmm. 
So then we had um, Charlie interview Roman Reigns, and he doesn't care what Paul Heyman says. He shows up 10 days a year, and he talks about things he cannot physically do in the ring. Reigns has a spoiler alert, and he just went all through the Lucha Underground tapings. (laughs) Can you believe what happened with Dario? (laughs) And he's going to WrestleMania and taking the Universal Championship. Oh, what a boring nothing promo. Man, like they have so many, like we're, we're, I'm coming off of this show talking about so many people, but Roman Reigns is just like so far down the list of people that seem interesting. I mean, not even mentioning, okay, forget the WWE, in wrestling, in professional wrestling, I don't think Roman is even top 10 of the things that are making waves and, and, and making me excited about pro wrestling right now. And yet coming out of this show, he is supposedly the lead baby face heading into WrestleMania. I just, I don't understand. Well... Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy are going to uh, vie for Way's attention in wrestling with this next match. Matt came out, and then he disappeared during Bray's entrance. So Bray comes out, and he can't find Matt. On the speakers, Matt starts singing the obsolete song, but Bray can't find him. He's looking under the ring, and then Hardy appears and goes after Bray. So the match begins. Prior to the he- match, they, uh, they had a little video package editing all of their back-and-forth promos. Um and it just showed me <laughs> how little meat there has been in the three months of this feud when their highlight package. What, what are the highlights? I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't pay attention to this one video week, at all. One week, Matt played chess. Another week. Uh, they've all been the same. Visually, they've all been the same. It's Matt in fr- appearing in front of this, like, uh, I don't know, blue backdrop and Bray appearing in the dark. Light, dark, light, dark. Yes, 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 I get it. But it's just been so unimaginative when you think about what this Matt Hardy character was based on or what came before for this Matt Hardy character elsewhere. It should This feud should have been so much more. And, I mean, you saw it in this little two-minute video package, what, what the best shit was that they came up with. And it was Matt playing chess. That was the best that, that we've got. Well... Booker explained on the kickoff show that he doesn't know what's up with Matt Hardy. He thinks it could be a midlife crisis. And this was repeated by Michael Cole during this match where like Matt Hardy is just the announcers aren't in on it. They look at it like, what's wrong with Matt? This guy's weird. What's going on? A midlife crisis. Yeah. A midlife crisis. I I, I found this like Cole making fun of Booker. Oh, I I don't know. The star, the the guy that clearly deserves the the push coming out of this was the beach ball, which was very popular during this match. The crowd had way more interest in this beach ball than they did the match. And then the crowd got silent. But it wasn't because they weren't interested in the match way. Corey explained this to uh, to myself. He said that the audience is being silent because the last time they cheered for Matt, it didn't help him out during the match. <laughs> So maybe silence will be a better tool to help out our friend Matt Hardy. They were really like, yeah. I I mean, I felt like they were really over the top with with their excuse making for this match. Like they were doing everything they could to hide the fact that the crowd was doing the wave. Like at one point, Matt decides to go up top for the leg drop and he raises his arms for the leg drop. And this was while the crowd was already doing the wave. So so then Cole and, and Graves are like, oh my God, it looks like... Matt Matt is able to tell this audience what to do before he even decides to do it. 
Like as if this this audience was already doing the wave before Matt decided to do the leg drop. So I mean, I felt like they were just having fun with it at, at that point. But um, this the crowd was certainly restless for this one. The audience started chanting Rusev Day. His next T-shirt needs to just be duly noted. The Shane McMahon line. Matt stopped the sister Abigail, ducked the clothesline, and won with the twist of fate in nine minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Yeah, this was. I mean, I don't think I don't know many people who were excited for this match. Uh, and coming out of there it, was no one. There was not one. I mean, you could tell from this audience that nobody really cared because number one, we had already seen this match. Number two, this feud has not been interesting. And number three, what are they fighting for? We don't. We don't even know if this feud has ended coming out of this. We don't know. It was just another match. Um, I think, you know, the crowd still likes Matt Hardy. The crowd still wants to ch- chant the lead. At the end of this match, Matt was leading everybody. And, like, it's not like people, it's not like Randy Orton versus Sheamus, where I think the crowds aren't completely interested in either per- person. I think the crowd is just sick of this feud, especially against somebody like Bray Wyatt, who I do think is suffering from a Randy Orton Sheamus syndrome. Kurt Angle came out for the contract signing, followed by Triple H playing the role of Paul tonight and Stephanie McMahon. He was Paul because Triple H cost Kurt Angle at the Survivor Series last November, whereas Paul is his pal. Gotcha. That's that's the difference. They come out. Stephanie and Paul are just in awe of one another as they're walking down the aisle, just putting each other over. Hunter says there may not be any bigger signing than this one compares it to when they signed Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. And then Hunter introduces Ronda Rousey as she comes out to bad reputation. She's got a smaller leather jacket this time. There's no way Roddy Piper was wearing this jacket. No, they found one that fit. Do you, do you think she, own, uh, do you think they, they, they own the rights to that, that uh, Joan Jett song for like all the archives as well? Or are like years from now, are we going to hear this dubbed over? Um, It's a good question. I'm sure they like, they've obviously licensed it. I don't know if it's in perpetuity or if it's like typically these they license the songs and it expires after a certain amount of time. Uh, and that's why uh, Rob Zombie's theme for Edge is no longer hmm. on the network. But um, that'll be something to look back on and, and see. You would think given their their business now and so much of it being digital and built around the network that mm-hmm. they would cover themselves in these deals to be able to uh, get the rights Part of me wonders like why they wouldn't just give her like a like a ripoff theme, something that sounds like bad reputation. But I mean, obviously, I think they they see the value, the money worth spending on on somebody like her, and I guess they think the theme song is a big enough uh, difference maker for Ronda. Punk, Punk's theme is still yeah on on all his stuff. So, but I imagine, I mean, I have to wonder if 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 that song is worth. It it will cost as much as, as a Joan Jett song, you know? I wonder. I don't know. I'm not sure. Hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not the um, the authority when it comes to music, but I would think this does a lot of good for Joan Jett. In 2018, I mean, Ronda Rousey has kind of been, I, I think that it's, it's a positive for Joan Jett, you would think, to have this song linked to someone so notable. Money is always a positive. Well, I'm sure she's making a lot of it as a result of her. I mean, I'm sure the WWE wasn't just offering her a free networks, network subscription. Mm-hmm. So Rousey comes out. She immediately shakes hands with all three of these people. I was like, okay, give it a second here. She's shaking hands with the people that she, she attacked. But let, let's see how this plays out. 
And then Rousey was given the microphone, and this was what everyone was awaiting. And she started to speak, and this crowd, at least a segment of them, they were turning on her instantly. It was a very mixed reaction. Very. Yeah. But then it was like this Ronda Rousey chant took over, and she was so clearly moved by this. She was on the verge of tears uh, from this. Well, let's let's put things into perspective here. I mean, the last time Ronda was in a public setting in this arena, I mean, really, like when's when's the last time Ronda has faced a crowd this big? I suppose Mania or or, or a Rumble, but the last the last time in this arena, it was all she could hear was instead of her name being chanted, it was head movement, head movement. <laughs> yes, exactly, head movement. <laughs> if, if the crowd, God, if somebody, if somebody in the crowd started that chant, I would have like, oh man, no, I, I tweeted that out when she stared down <laughs> Stephanie and walked her down. <laughs> It's really funny. <laughs> Many people but, got it. But I mean, from what we've seen of Ronda Rousey post Holly Holm, she is somebody who who suffers from, I think, uh, P- like really like a form of PTSD coming off of that. And and she really has not been the same in the public. It's not eye. an exaggeration. Like Way yeah. is describing this to a T. Like this is a this is such a vulnerable point in Ronda's backstory. She thought about suicide. She will not talk about those losses. She will not address them. It is not allowed to be brought up when she does interviews. Like, she will not talk about those losses. Yeah. So, I mean, for her to come out, I'm sure, like, coming out of this, everybody's going to say, wow, she looks so awkward. She looks so nervous. But I guess, like, putting it all into perspective, this was probably a really difficult thing for her to do. So, when it began, I was thinking this could be a train wreck. And the chance kind of saved it because then you got a genuine moment with Rhonda addressing the audience. She, you could tell she was truly moved by this chanting and said she wants to make Roddy Piper and his family proud and she wants to earn everyone's respect in this ring. And then Hunter took over and says that by signing this contract, you're going to get your dream of competing at WrestleMania. It's not going to be a championship match, but it will be a match. And explain that Rhonda doesn't want any special perks, not even a private car. She's going to drive herself away to all of these towns. And she's going to be and making $50,000 a year. So Rousey doesn't want to be given a title match, which is a hell of a, an offer for, for Rhonda to take here. Uh, Rousey doesn't want to be given a title match. She wants to earn it. And then Kurt takes over. And he brings up how Hunter and Stephanie have been wanting to get Rousey so that they can manipulate her ever since WrestleMania 21, since WrestleMania 31. And then uh, brought up Rousey attacking Stephanie at that show. And he just goes all over about Hunter wanting to own the bitch, which Hunter cut off before he got the final uh, word in. And I don't know. This, to me, was one of those scenes in a movie way where... We don't have enough time to tell this story, so we just got to like do a whole scene of nothing but exposition to get us <laughs> six months across in I mean, six seconds. Unfortunately, what you're dealing with is performers told to act who can't act. And number one, that's Rhonda. But I mean, Kurt's not that that much better, you know. But I think they knew they understood Rhonda's limitations. They 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 understood what they had to get across and. I mean, in their wrestling way, this was the best way for them to do it. So the segment did turn around here because 
Kurt gets all this out and they explain Kurt has the flu and they've got to go take care of Kurt. Rousey, realizing this information that they're just using Rhonda as a revenge plot, stares down Stephanie. Hunter returns the ring, to the ring and he goes to leave and has this big stare down. And then Rousey lifts up Hunter, putting him through the table. And this causes Stephanie to lose it. And she slaps Rousey. And the crowd, they, they milked this for all it was worth. The crowd chant, you fucked up at Stephanie for daring to slap Rousey. And then Stephanie leaves the ring. So they did the physicality with Hunter. And the big spot will be Ronda getting her hands on Stephanie again at WrestleMania. And then Rousey signs this very employer-friendly contract. And that ends the segment. And she's going to WrestleMania, and I guess it's a tag match. And that's what we have set up. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- I thought everything after Ronda talking was done When she got well. the death stare, yeah. it, was, it turned around a lot. She can deliver that look of intensity just perfectly fine. Uh, and I thought all the physical stuff afterwards, she did great. Obviously, I think what a lot of people are going to come out of this talking about is just how poorly she sounded and how nervous she sounded on the microphone. Hopefully, with time, she can get over that, but she has a long ways to go. And coming out of this, I imagine that they will try to limit her speaking ability. Um, I definitely think you need somebody like Triple H and Stephanie there two of their best performers to hold a segment together like this. And I thought the two of them did great. They got some really shareable clips out of this whole thing. Triple H being thrown through a table. Although I wish the throw kind of looked a bit more believable, but it kind of just looked like Hunter jumping in th- through a table. That's fine. Yeah. What What did you think but, on a scale of, uh, on the SEO scale of one to 10, what do you think they hit for this segment? Um, if, uh, if Ray Mysterio was in here, I would, uh, say, <laughs> 25 million. I don't know. I don't even know. What, like, how do you even measure that? Like, well, oh. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought you would know better than but, me. But, mo- but more so like thinking about like Good Morning or ESPN, whatever. They're going to show yes. Ronda throwing Triple H through the table. They're going to show Stephanie slapping Ronda. And I'm so glad Steph did not hold back on that slap. That felt like a real slap. And No. Uh, ESPN reporter and uh, close uh, confidant of Ronda Rousey, who does all her coverage on ESPN, Ramona Shelburne, uh, tweeted out after the segment that it was, in fact, a legit slap. Okay, well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what a, a non-real slap would look like. Well, that would be pretty tough. All I mean, the other maybe, slaps in, in wrestling. All the other she'd punches. be doing th- that, that rock slap where he'd, like, slap yeah. his, uh, his, his thigh. Maybe but Stephanie anyway. smacked her, her leg as she con- slapped. Con- confirmed by ESPN, real yeah. slap. Yeah, thank you so much. Not the smoothest segment by any means, but, I, I mean, in the end, they got what they wanted out of it. I would say if you're if you were shooting for the grand slam, to me the the grand slam was the Austin Tyson pull apart mm. in Fresno. I don't think this came close to that. I I like this by the end of this. I liked what they got out of this. Like all the pieces are in place. I like the Ronda demeanor by the end of it. I really did not like the beginning where she was just like the happy employee here with under mm. Stephanie and Hunter, but they did. Kind of correct that by the end of it, so yeah. I can't be you, too critical. You also had I, Hunter. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Yep. Um, you also had Hunter, like you know, say all the stuff about her wanting a a regular contract as a way to kind of you know uh, get the audience back on her on her on her side. 
thinking that she's receiving any some type of special treatment just coming in here without having wrestled a single match. Um, do you buy that for a second? Because like, if Ronda doesn't do no, a regular schedule, on. like, don't aren't people just going to call bullshit on that? Uh, it's it's kind of like that line. Remember the, when the Rock came back uh, in 2011? He said, "And I'll never leave again." Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, well. You're definitely going to leave again. You're kind of talking about some kind of uh, ambiguous, you're never going to leave again, but you're definitely going to be leaving. Do you think so, Rondo will have a separate change room? How about that? Uh, you know what? I'll say no. Yeah, yeah, I could see her changing with other people. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, this woman genuinely wants to yeah, be here. I yeah, don't exactly. think this is someone that is is just looking at a, at a cash grab by no sense. I mm-hmm. think that she is really passionate about this at this time in her career. Um, that said, um, this segment by the end of this, I do not want to see Kurt Angle as the partner. I think the theme of having two Olympians team up together and especially, you know, with Kurt being, uh, the GM under Stefan Triple H, I think it all makes sense. But uh, as a mouthpiece, I, I really, I feel like they need almost need a third person to, I, I thought he was just like the court jester. During this segment, I think if that is the direction they are going in with Kurt, I am more critical of this segment because of how he came across. And that's not just on his portrayal. It's also his performance. Right. And it's just it's too comical for me. This is a serious angle. This is their this is the main event angle of WrestleMania Mm. that I would much rather. I mean, certainly your your biggest get is Dwayne Johnson. But that seems that's a tough one to. Uh, put together if it's someone off the roster i almost look at someone like a, a seth rollins being someone that is more effective at this point in terms of what you're going to get out of it versus kurt who, well, who 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 is kind of on the short list of that right now i mean okay so the rock maybe kurt angle definitely um seth rollins perhaps but also a braun Strowman as possibilities yeah um there was nothing tonight in the direction of of hunter and Strowman, which is kind of this like they made that such a big focus after the at the Survivor series that it hasn't been revisited at all. It hasn't been referenced. There's there's nothing uh in that in that direction. And I thought that that was a possible out to get Strowman out of the elimination chamber, but they did not go that direction. Hmm. So I guess we'll those are your options right there that we laid out. What what do you like? I I mean seeing this tonight, I think they're going to go with Kurt. Um it just means they'll have to tough out the, the month of build with Kurt Angle. I mean, Kurt Angle's been fine. Like, he's been okay as a GM. He'll mess up, certainly, but, like, maybe... Edmund needs know. to do the talking, then. Sure, yes. Yes, bring him in. But I, I do see it being Kurt. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not... Cre- I, I like your idea of Rollins and Kurt, personally. Uh, Ronda and Rollins, you mean? No, I'm sorry. Uh, Kurt against oh, Rollins against at Rollins. WrestleMania. Yeah, well, hardly my idea has been suggested, but no, just you. You were the <laughs> the only one I've heard it yes. from. So that ended that segment. That was the most uh, newsworthy portion of the show, and then we finished off with the men's elimination chamber match: Roman Reigns, John Cena, The Miz, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, and Elias. Elias started off performing in the ring, got lots of heat, and then was eventually interrupted by Braun Strowman. Match began with three men, with Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and The Miz. And we'll just go through uh, the entrance here, because this was a match that kind of took a long time to get going for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe no, maybe there was some burnout from Monday with yeah. these seven, uh, but I, not, thought, not- I, I thought this really didn't get 
clicking until the end. And I would say this was this one kind of disappointed me because I had high expectations for this match and low expectations for the women's match. Yeah, I'm I'm with you for for both of those points. I mean, uh, yeah, the women's match coming off of Monday definitely set my expectations lower for that one. But you also couple with that with with the the fact that this was the second chamber. This was four hours into the evening, and you know. But beyond that, I I just overall felt like you didn't have so much interesting dynamics between the characters throughout the the body of this match, like you had with the women. Like with the women's match, you had very clear. Oh, Bailey's up or uh, down against two two members of Absolution. She has to fight back. I want to cheer for her. Here from the get go, you had Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. Taking on the Miz, and I mean, already there you have a weird two-on-one babyface advantage over a heel, and throughout the match, never really any other focus. Especially the idea that I think most people know that Roman was going to win this anyway didn't really provide uh, all that much intrigue throughout the body of this match. Fourth entrant was John Cena. He had a big stare down with Rollins. Fifth entrant was Roman Reigns. This led to one spot where we had. All four guys on their knees circled around the Miz who delivered the it kicks to all four of them. I thought this looked so stupid. I mean, Miz took forever deciding on who to deliver the it kicks to. And it just made everybody else look so stupid kneeling like like they were in a prayer circle. Where, uh, kneeling around I, I thought of something else, but it, it's way too crass and people oh, might be listening to this yeah. at their work. Um, Braun entered the match next after that at, in the sixth position and Strowman chased after Miz. He scaled to the top of the pod and Strowman rammed him into the plexiglass, threw him off the pod onto the other four on the canvas and audience got into Braun here. And that was the first interesting thing to happen in this match. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't until the sixth entrant. He hits a power slam and he eliminates Miz for the first elimination. Then Elias is the last one in. Strowman just stares him down so Elias won't leave the pod. And this allows Reigns, Cena, Balor, and Rollins to all gang up and hit the four man shield powerbomb to Strowman. He kicked out. Then he kicked out of the AA. Then he kicked out of a spear. Then Rollins hit him with the stomp. Balor hit him with the coup de gras. Nothing will keep Strowman down. Everyone traded finishes and everyone's down. So now Elias enters and he went one by one and everyone kicked out for the comedy. Strowman runs shoulder first into the post. I think they really have to start padding these posts. Um, Who's going to be the first wrestler to come up with this idea that maybe we should pad these things because we're, we are always running into these goddamn things. Well, well, then what's next? You pad the steel steps? Well, I mean, come, come on. on. It's... It's just it's not exposed for any reason. They should start putting spikes into the posts. Remember when we played that baseball game and our friend Corey was <laughs> chasing yes. a fly ball oh, and God. the light post didn't have the padding around it and he cracked his head right into the post. Yeah. Those things need to be padded. That was pretty bad. Well, oh, I yeah. still have that sound in my head. Yeah, that was awful. That was really bad. He's okay. He turned out he was fine afterwards. Took a trip to the hospital. He did go to the hospital. Yes. Then Cena leaps off of the turnbuckle and is caught by Braun, who hits Cena. Oh, sorry. First off, he power slammed Elias to eliminate him. Then Cena went for the high cross off the turnbuckle and is caught by Strowman. And Strowman hits the power slam and he pins Cena. And like, I understand the story they're telling with Cena. But there was barely any reaction to Cena being eliminated. It was just another elimination. 
It's true. It's true. I mean, in a live setting, that's it's kind of tough to convey that. You know, they spent a long time having Cena sit on the steps, uh, just like they did with Sasha, uh, with the with the sign in the background, <laughs> selling the loss of his uh, WrestleMania dreams. Uh, the pull but, focus. It's yeah, he's lost his I know, vision. I know. Um, but I thought it almost took the you needed the announcers to kind of really drive that point home, but they didn't, and it was probably especially tougher for the crowd live to be able to react to something like that. Strowman and Balor fought with the other two down. This included Balor hitting the 1916, the reverse bloody Sunday that Rollins kicked out of. Balor then hit a coup de gras to Reigns, but Strowman returned, nailed Balor with a power slam, so he's eliminated Balor. So it's down to Strowman, Reigns, and Rollins. Reigns and Rollins, uh, they go back and forth with a buckle bomb, Superman back and forth. Rollins then hit a splash off of the pod. Strowman kicks out of that. And then Strowman caught Rollins with a power slam, so Rollins is eliminated. We are down to Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. And Strowman charged at Reigns, missed, and ran through the pod, through the plexiglass. Reigns followed that up with a Superman punch. He hit another, sent Strowman down to a knee. Then Reigns was hoisted in the air, hit a third Superman punch, and it took two spears to beat Braun Strowman 40 minutes and nine seconds as Roman wins the match. I definitely enjoyed the women's chamber more. I I feel like coming out of this match, I feel like almost everybody was an afterthought except for Braun, who was given the world. But in the end, I, I'm not so sure that he needed it. Like, is Braun any more over now than he was prior to the match? I don't think so. Whereas I feel like uh, somebody like Sasha Banks came out of that match with a lot more stock and a lot more value. This, I almost felt like it was overkill with the uh, Braun, Braun Strowman pushing. And then, of course, you have Roman Reigns, who I think the guy everybody knew was going to win, but a guy nobody wanted to see win. So the, the outcome of this, there was just absolutely no desire for anyone in the audience to want to see him head to WrestleMania to win the title. And this match did not change that. And everybody else, I mean... Felt like an afterthought, including Finn, including Seth Rollins, who had so much big mo for uh, coming out out of Monday. Um, came he out, had low mo. He had low mo after this match. Low mo after this, exactly. So, I mean, I think Cena is even more sympathetic than than Roman. Like, what story does Roman have heading into re- this match or heading into Mania? It's well. Now it's the thing that's consumed him for three years that he hasn't been able to move on from is losing to Brock or losing his title at WrestleMania. Really? His title opportunity. Like since when? Since Monday. Since this Monday. Is dr- this, this has been his driving force for three years that we're being reminded of now. That, we're, that we've only found out since Monday. Yes. Okay. Even, sure. even though he won, he did win the title a year later at WrestleMania, but he hasn't beaten Brock. Brock has been the elusive victory that has he has chased and not been able to capture that's like a millionaire saying oh man i've i've i i've i've won I've, i'm already a millionaire but man i really want to be a billionaire like can i get behind that no vince mcmahon <laughs> uh, yeah uh cry me a river you know you've already reinvented wrestlemania three times you've won the title at wrestlemania do i give a shit anymore anyway this wasn't enough for Strowman. He hit Reigns with a power slam after the match. The audience called for another, so he did. And then he sent Reigns through one of the pods. So Strowman's music plays to exit. And 
I hope Strowman is planned for something massive at WrestleMania because they gave him everything and then some in yeah. this match. Yeah. And if the rumored match of like, I can't possibly see him in the Miz having a singles match at WrestleMania. He beat him nonchalantly here. Like there is no, no issue there. What is What is What are the other rumors? That's the only one that's been thrown out. Oh God. Yeah. That would, be I mean, uh, you, you could team him with Rousey. Although that it's even that does Rousey be, it's a it's a weird combination, and does that almost bring Ronda to kind of like this comedy territory? Like she's playing like the new Alexa Bliss with him. Uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure if I love that either. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I, I was just kind of all in all a little disappointed in the men's chamber. Uh, I certainly didn't think Braun needed all that coming out of this. Uh, if anything, I think Roman just. He needs a bit more development to feel a bit more sympathetic, and I don't think this this did that for him. I I asked people on our at post wrestling on our Twitter account what was the high point of the elimination chamber. Nineteen percent said the men's chamber match. Thirty seven percent of you the Rousey angle, and forty four percent feeling the women's chamber match was the high point. There you go. Good for the women. So. Uh, where was this show for you, Way, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10? You know, I enjoyed the show, like, all in all. You know, it felt, I did, too. It felt exciting. It felt like there there was a lot of news coming out of it. And uh, it felt like there was a, a lot at stake for both the men and women's chambers. So I, I give the show, yeah, 7.8. I just go, I'll go 7. I'll go 7. I thought some of the booking I liked. I think you can see all the key directions, which is a good thing. Um I wouldn't say any of the matches were just like so blow away great for me. Um, the women's match exceeded my expectations, but yes. they were low to begin with. But this was a show, the last major show before WrestleMania. It's not so much having the great matches. It's it's more incumbent on stronger booking and setting things up that you want to see for the big show. Storytelling. And I, I think you, you have set up quite a bit for WrestleMania now. Well, what did our audience think of it? Well, let's go check. We are going over now to the forum at forum.postwrestling.com. And let's go through some of the feedback here. So first of all, their rating. The rating. We, we, we went big way for a pay-per-view, 1 to 20. Okay. And the rating was 10.92, meaning wow. out of 10, it would be 5.46. So barely a pass was Elimination Chamber. Mm. Yeah. Well, our audience got- is tough to please. Well, that's that. they've learned from us. So uh, let's let's go through a few of these because um, we have a lot still to get to. Uh, do you want to do this afterwards then, or or do you want to do the feedback now? Whatever you want, way you you let's decide. Let's go through you, the rest of the the the, the news and, and the shows this week, and then we can do feedback at the end. All right. Uh, let's first of all get the. Uh, see, I'm not ready here, way. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you want me to read one piece of feedback before we go on? Okay, let's go. Let's first of all go through uh, the New Japan news, okay? okay, okay, Because during the show, this was right as the Rousey angle was ending, uh, that we got the announcements, first of all, for the New Japan Cup, which starts on March the 9th, a week from Friday. So opening round matches, we have Michael Elgin against Tomohiro Ishii, Juice Robinson against Yujiro, the returning Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's already back way, taking on Taichi. How long was he expected to be gone? Uh, well, he was he, he was never removed from the advertising for Supercard of Honor. So 
I mean, I got the sense he would be back in time for that. And given that he's doing this, I, I guess he's going to be there in New Orleans. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I would have liked to have seen this guy take off a lot longer, at least till Dominion, if not the G1. But he's back. He's back yep. after less than a month away. Uh, so he's taking on Taichi. Then Bad Luck Fale against Lance Archer. Yoshihashi against Kota Ibushi. Tatsuya Naito against Zack Sabre Jr., which has led people to think that you could get Naito and Ibushi in the second round. Toru Yano against Davy Boy Smith Jr. And then Chucky e. T against Sonata. So the winner of this will get an opportunity at a title of their choice, most likely facing Okada at Sakura Genesis, which is taking place the week before WrestleMania. So that is their next big uh that's, this is their big focus for the month of March. But also happening in March, right after the New Japan Cup, is Strong Style Evolve from Long Beach, California. We already know about Rey Mysterio and Jushin Thunder Liger, but now they've added Hangman Page challenging Jay White for the U.S. title and the main event way of the Golden Lovers, the most over-tagged team in the world, Kenny Omega and Sorry. Kota Bushi against the Young Bucks. That was the crowd cheering your uh, I know. Your I could tell. Oh, man, what a great show that looks like. Holy shit. And a, a show that was already sold out. And, I mean, with those three matches alone, I don't think people are going to be too uh, upset. Uh, that main event is going to be terrific. Yeah, so this won't be a pay-per-view. It'll be on Access? It's going to be on Access. They're going to be airing it live. On the um, Fight Network in I, Canada? Maybe? The Fight Network, I had checked in a few weeks back, and they had not. Um, they had not made any... Uh, plans yet for it but i would imagine that it ends up airing on the fight network mm-hmm. much like the july show did last year well, the first night aired right. so i i'm sure canadians will get to watch that on tv if not if any areas that don't have access it'll be on new japan world understood yeah fantastic i i'm, I'm still looking forward to that i think john and i will be doing a show for that one uh when it's out and um the buildup has been fantastic, too, if you've been following uh, the weekend's results and also uh, being the elite, which a new episode dropped yesterday. Have you seen the new episode? Yes, I have. Yeah. Anything notable in it? Well, why don't you go over the uh, Honor Rising results first? Okay. I'm just going to go through quickly uh, results here and anything notable I'll add. The first night uh, at Cork and Hall, the cool thing they did, it was it was interesting they did it. They redid Cork and Hall to make it look like it was... Uh, the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia for an ROH taping. They had the turnbuckles. They also had the barricade signs with the ROH logos around them mm. and even altered the lighting. So this looked like a – this they, looked like a they, – they actually made it look like a smaller production. Did they alter the lighting so that like the lights were directly in the cameras now? What do you mean? They didn't go that, they didn't go that far. <laughs> did they, they actually they had alter their, the lighting though? It definitely looked darker. Wow. Well, I mean, they changed the matte color, too. is different, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, that was changed, too. But this looked... They wanted to make this feel like an ROH show. That is interesting. Yeah. So the first night, uh, we had Bad Luck Fale and Yujiro defeating Ketsuya Kitamura. Uh, the Gorillas of Destiny and Hikuleo took on Jushin Thunder Liger, Cheeseburger, and Delirious, who were challenging for the never six-man tag titles on the second night. So this was the win for Delirious, Cheeseburger, and Liger in uh, seven minutes, eight seconds after Cheeseburger attempted a sunset flip onto Hikuleo, but then was sent over after a shote, and Delirious just stacked Hikuleo for the pin. The Young Bucks defeated Juice Robinson and David Finley, including uh, Nick 
nailing juice from the apron, and then they hit a Meltzer driver to win that one in 12 minutes, 52 seconds. Very good tag match. Um, to me, the standout, um, one of the standouts on the first night was a three-way with Kushida, Hiromu Takahashi, and Flip Gordon, who is making his debut over here. And he won the match in 12.48, and this was tremendous. I mean, everyone knows the exploits of Kushida and Hiromu, and I thought Flip Gordon acclimated himself very well here. Uh, Gordon did the springboard to take out both guys, knock Kushida off the turnbuckle, and then landed a 450 to Hiromu to win the match. So I expect big things for Flip Gordon in the junior heavyweight division uh, winning this match. Uh, Jay White and the best friends took on Dalton Castle, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Jay Lethal. And Trent Beretta came into this with a Torn pectoral and biceps injury with his arms all taped up from his match with Chuck Taylor the weekend before at PWG. And he ended up working both nights, but is now taking time off. So he is uh, definitely injured. And I would imagine he's going to be off of the WrestleMania weekend shows where he was supposed to be teaming with Taylor against Abushi and Omega mm. on the WrestleCon Super Show. So I would imagine that is probably not happening. Uh, this ended with Jay White winning with the Blade Runner at 949. They did the big tease for Dalton Castle and Beretta for the second night, which was going to be the ROH title match, and uh, just getting a win here for Jay White, who he, to me, has still not quite clicked in this big role, even since the win over Kenny Omega. I still feel there's something missing uh, with Jay White. Mm. Hiroki Goto uh, defeated the Beer City Bruiser in the never-did-I-think-I-would-see-this Open weight title match. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, the Beer City Bruiser is just such a a wacky character uh, against Goto. Uh, it ended with Goto winning with the GTR in twelve thirty eight. Not a terrific match, but it was something very different, and it was kind of a fun match to watch. And then the main event: Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Chase Owens against Cody, Marty Skrull, and Hangman Page. If you go back and watch anything from this past weekend, you have to watch the entrance oh, I watched, for Kenny I Omega. This entrance was unbelievable. Like, this yeah. crowd heat, my God, this felt like this was uh, Texas in 83 for the Von Ericks. Kevin, Kevin Kelly said that he has never heard a louder reaction at Cork and Hall. And they were chanting Golden Lovers before the bell even rang. I thought Kenny Omega and Ibushi were unbelievable i thought cody was so great mm -hmm. in this match even chase owens i thought yeah. um him and hangman page had a really nice sequence at the end but this was this was just a lot of fun to watch this six man i feel like these types of reactions these types of like pure baby face cheers for entrances are feel so rare these days in pro wrestling where like two guys are just like they're not cool heels they're just baby faces and they just come out slapping high fives with the, with the crowd, and this audience just loves them and wants nothing more than to see these two win. Yeah, uh, some of the highlights of this it was um, Skrull was playing the the reluctant partner to Cody and Hangman throughout this match. Um, he's also dyed his hair now uh, as well, so it's no longer he's gone black. Gray. He's from, gone gray. From the stress. Yes, it's just been too much to handle. Yeah. Um, you had Cody and and uh, Hangman teasing the uh, the Terminator dive and doing the the setup in the ring. Uh, and Marty being reluctant. Yeah, Marty didn't want to go along with it. They teased the uh, the Kamagoye V trigger combo that they were trying out in the documentary, which is called the 
golden star trigger, but it was stopped by Cody, which was gold, actually golden a nice trigger. golden trigger. Uh, it was, is it the golden star trigger the or just the golden they trigger? yelled it out before they did it? And they yelled golden trigger. Okay. <laughs> so so it, it built up to Omega and Cody finally meeting at the, in the middle and going at it. We got a series of counters and Cody kissed Omega on the cheek and then Obushi stopped the crossroads. There was a doomsday drop kick that they delivered to Obushi. Omega made the save. And then Owens and Page had this big striking exchange, and it ended with a package pile driver being countered, and Hangman Page hit the rites of passage to win the match. 20 minutes, 31 seconds, and we had a big pull apart between Omega and Cody on the floor, and the Bucks came out to separate the two. The match was a lot of fun, man, um, because uh, I think for most people, was this the first time that they were teaming up or did they team up in, in Australia? Do you know? Uh, no, they didn't. No. Uh, Kota Bushi, I don't think, was on that Australia oh, okay. tour. So, I mean, yeah, this crowd just like wanted nothing more than to see these two tag each other. And they kind of held back on that. Like throughout the entire match, they did not allow or Chase Owens or for whatever reason, did not allow Kota to tag Cody, uh, 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 Kenny. And somehow that they decided to save that for the second night, and it worked. Um, yeah, I felt bad for Chase Owens though, you know, and I felt bad for Marty because they just seemed like they were caught up here. By the way, Chase Owens had to team with Kenny because he um, Kenny made a bet <laughs> that if I can make this free throw, you have to join my side against Cody, and he drained it. He fucking hit one take, man. It was amazing. Do you think it was one take? Okay, if it wasn't one take, then he they would have had to do all that. All that. I know. I know. I'm I'm saying they might have had to do it multiple times. Oh, that mean. would have been quite quite impressive. Then I mean, either way, if they went through a lot of effort to do as many takes as they could before Kenny landed that, or if Kenny landed that in one take, all very impressive. He's the real Mister Perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I loved like I love Marty Skrull in this match because he had to sell his turmoil. Uh, throughout the entire match, you know, I, I can't attack Kenny cause he brought me into the bullet club yet. I have to be loyal to my group. So, uh, by the end of it, I feel like they, they managed to convey a lot of character with almost everybody involved. Okay. And quickly going through the second night, uh, from Saturday, beer city bruiser beat Toa Hanare in the, in the opener. It only went 426 with uh, Bruiser winning with a full Nelson into a DDT and then a splash off the top rope, which is uh, still uh, quite the visual with Beer City Bruiser. Uh, Jay Lethal, Juice Robinson, and David Finley, they defeated Yujiro, Chase Owens, and Hikuleo with uh, Lethal hitting a top rope elbow drop, pinning Hikuleo, who is pretty much on designated uh, loser duty uh, in all of these matches. Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi defeated Ryusuke Deguchi and Flip Gordon. The finish here was really spectacular, where Bushi hit an MX to Flip Gordon off of the shoulders of Takahashi and, like, just snapping him backwards after hitting that. That went 10-18. Uh, the Gorillas of Destiny and Bad Luck Fale surprisingly defended the never six-man tag titles, defeating Liger Cheeseburger and Delirious. That went 9-17. Uh, and then we go uh, Hangman Page and the Young Bucks defeated Jay White, Yoshihashi, and Chucky e. T with Page again getting the pinfall, this time defeating Jay White to set up their U.S. title match for Long Beach. That one, that one went 12-36. And then Dalton Castle and Beretta got turned into a three-way uh, because of Beretta's injury. Uh, they still went 16 minutes and 10 seconds, and Beretta 
did do stuff in this match, but this guy was clearly just trying to get through this match and then taking care of these injuries. Uh, it ended with a avalanche German by Dalton Castle pinning the Beer City Bruiser. And then we went to the main event. Did you see this main event as well? Yes, I did. This was Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, their first official tag match, uh, taking on Cody and Marty Skrull. And uh, the entrance, again, really big reaction. I still thought the first night for their first time coming out together was the louder of the two, but just really cool to hear such a big babyface reaction for a team. Yeah, agreed. Uh, this was when the, uh, the sorry, the double golden trigger. They just call it the... The golden, golden trigger. trigger, yeah. This was stopped by Cody pulling Kota to the floor early on, and then a V-trigger stopped a crossroads off the apron where Cody was going for the same spot from Wrestle Kingdom to the exposed floor onto Ibushi. And then the big high spot way of the entire match, it wasn't a V-trigger, it wasn't a one-winged angel, it was Cody kissing Kota Ibushi, who just snapped, and then he powerbombed Cody in retaliation. Mm-hmm. He yeah. stole a kiss from Kota. Mm-hmm. So Cody is then taken out. Omega then sent Skrull off the shoulders into an Abushi kick. And this is where they hit the golden trigger for the first time together at 2015. And they won the match together. Cody goes to Kevin Kelly's headset and says, I turned this publicity stunt around. Once you go, Cody. And he didn't finish the sentence. But the idea is that Kota Abushi uh, is Cody's target. So now it's a golden love triangle. It's a golden love triangle. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, man, awesome match. Like These matches have been so much fun, seeing the golden lovers back together. And um, I think like part of it is because it's Kenny Omega fighting the Bullet Club. And you have so many uh, interesting dynamics with everybody involved. You have you know Cody, who has been stirring shit and is really the reason for a lot of this. And he's taken great pleasure in... Uh, just causing all this turmoil. But then you have guys like the Bucks and Marty who are all incredibly reluctant, but yet, for whatever reason, you know, after these matches, they're they're forced to pick a side, and they're not happy. So, like, in, in a lot of... Like, what I love about the angle is that it forces you to kind of go out of your way to watch so many different sources of media in order to get different chapters. And so the first thing, I think, was when they did the post-match interviews... Uh, backstage at, at Corican, where um, that you can watch on World or also on, on the YouTube. And uh, first, it's like Marty Skrull. You, you get to see Marty Skrull with uh, Cody, and Marty is just really upset that he had to take the pinfall because Cody was so distracted, kissing and, and doing all this other bullshit. Meanwhile, Cody says it was all worth it. Did you see the look on Kenny's face? So Marty's not happy. Um, and then uh, you also had, uh, oh, yeah, please, please go on with the rest of the, the, the match and, uh, or the segment. Oh, that, that was it. That was the whole show. Well, there's a challenge. Oh, of course. There was that part. So Omega and Ibushi address the crowd, and Omega refers to them as the best tag team in the world. This prompts the Young Bucks to come out, and they said, we were cool with you guys. You have this history together. We met in the hotel room, and we gave you our blessing. But then you said, you're the best tag team in the world. We are the best tag team in the world. And we're announcing here that we are moving up to the heavyweight tag division. Yeah. That was and that's going to be the match that headlines Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a match. I'm so excited. Uh, anyway, 
So, I mean, very smart on their part. I don't know, like, how, how Nick Jackson finds the time to edit these things, because, like, uh, the day of, like, this this thing, he released a new episode of Being the Elite that essentially acted as sort of the post-match of this whole thing. Where he, it, This has to be how he uses his, his flight time. His, fl- his flight time. Yeah, like, he's be. just got to dump all this onto his laptop and edit, I yeah. imagine. So thank goodness for these uh, Japan flights, I suppose. Giving him edit time. So anyway, just to, to quickly recap, there's a lot. I mean, being the elite, elite kind of has a lot of like clips throughout. It's it's half travel vlog, half like comedy, where um you get to see. Okay, so the the re- the relevant moments of, of of the of this episode were, uh, the young bucks are doing an interview with Kevin Kelly in Korokun, and um, Co- Cody <laughs> overhears Kevin Kelly asking them, "Hey." What do you think about making a move to the heavyweight division? And so Cody starts to get some ideas. Um, we're eventually kind of cut to prior to night two of the Honor Rising show, where the Young Bucks approach uh, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi in his dressing room before their match. And the Young Bucks have something to talk to Kenny about. But Kenny is busy and Kota drags him away because they're being called to wrestle their match. So they have to go away and the Young, young Bucks don't get a chance to talk. So then you see highlights of the match, and then finally you see Kenny delivering his final speech, talking about how they are the best tag team in the world. And in the back, while this is all being shot, this is right after the match, uh, where they're in like the hallway of, of Corkin. And um, Cody is in the back, co- uh, goading the Young Bucks Saying, "Hey, do you listen to? Can you hear this? I'm telling you, this guy wants to. This guy's calling, like you know, um, talking shit about you guys. And then in the background, you can actually hear Kenny deliver his speech, like in the auditorium. So this prompts the Bucks to go out and, of course, deliver their speech. And then um, we cut back to the dressing room again, where the Bucks now are waiting for Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi in the dressing room. And you get a bit more exposition." Matt cuts an awesome promo. Like, I mean, being the elite largely kind of feels very tongue in cheek, but like this, I would classify as an actual legit, like good heated promo talking about how, you know, we've, we've had your back, Kenny, all these years, we've seconded you for every one of your big matches. How many times did you ever second us? You, you know, and now you're coming out telling us that, that you're the best tag team in the world. Fuck that. So in a very short amount of time, they've set up like so much interest in 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 a match that uh, I guess has taken place very shortly. But man, um, and then in the end, like Kota Bushi's just kind of like standing there, like, "What did he say?" <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and then Kenny explains in Japanese, uh, "Looks like we're gonna have to, gonna have to face them." And then Kota says, "I'm ready." But the biggest, most interesting thing I think to come out of this uh, being the elite is that. At the end of all this, when Kenny and Coda are done, they're talking. The camera does a slow zoom in into the closet. So, <laughs> wow. Read into that how you will. But I love the dancing around. I love the subtlety in this feud. I, I really think, I really do think it's the most interesting thing in pro wrestling right now. Wow. Well, they. They did some great stuff uh, all weekend, and I'm now set up a lot for the next six weeks uh, with the tag match. And then, of course, Omega and Cody 
WrestleMania weekend. And before we get to the feedback, before I forget, I did want to mention the first segment on Raw Talk because Renee and Peter Rosenberg had a very distraught and broken John Cena. Come on. And this was this was one of the great John Cena interviews where he was just beside himself having lost this match and he was just completely defeated and he talked about for he was so distraught way that he started talking about all the things he's got going on and sometimes he has to tell himself you're 41 years old you've had a great run this guy is so distraught way he thinks he's 41 when he's only 40 <laughs> he got his own age wrong when's his birthday not till uh may oh wow April, April or May? Counts up. He's close enough. I guess so. Anyway, he ended it by stating that he has one more plan to get to WrestleMania, but it may involve breaking the traditional etiquette. And they said, what does that mean? And he left. Oh, interesting. So one theory that's been thrown out there, and this is not my own. I've I've seen people suggest this, and it would make the most sense. He is advertised for Fastlane, and... Possibly you could do him versus Nakamura, and this is his last opportunity to get that that chance at WrestleMania because right. Nakamura needs an opponent for that show. And that would so be I can, breaking etiquette? Challenge well, I, 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 I don't know how much uh, etiquette that's really breaking, but I guess that's uh, I love for that. John Cena. I love that idea. I think Nakamura, I mean, mainly for Nakamura because he needs a really strong win going into, into Mania. And, I think- and, and John's just cool to lose every single month. Just he line could, him up, and he could afford a lo- another loss if he's going to challenge Taker. I don't think that's. I don't think audience sees him any differently. I guess he hasn't thought of the Undertaker option yet. That'd be really breaking etiquette. No. Anyway, that was raw talk. It it was a good interview. It's only like five minutes, but it was it was really good at the the start of the show. And any I, other I notes watch. from like the Stephanie stuff or anything? I I didn't get that far. I I. Jumped on with you as soon as the scene interview ended. Okay. So let's do feedback, and then we will uh, wind this one down. This has been a, a lengthy show already. So we will start with Jochi. Hochi. 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 Hochi oh, was the hookup for the uh, um, uh, Segway rides. Oh, of yeah, course. Ho- he's the man. Hochi. Hochi in Chicago, Segway. Uh, oh, man. I wish I knew Segway. I would give him a plug. I, don't, I forget the name of the Segway thing. Shit. Sorry. All right. Anyway, says, please continue. Don't know if you guys caught this, but it seems as if the crowd started chanting Holly Holm, and that shook Ronda, which led to the front row of Cormier, Kane, Travis Brown, and more chanting her name and was mic'd louder. Am I crazy? Love the women's chamber match. I didn't detect huh. any Holly Holm chant. That I would have to leave for people that were live in the audience, though. I have a hard time imagining Kane Velasquez getting so emotionally engaged in a wrestling chant. I didn't- Cormier for sure. I I I would say the Holly Holm chants certainly weren't audible on camera, but I will say like it it felt like when there was that mixed reaction initially, it felt like there was like a front audience that was more vocal than the rest that ultimately led to the rest of the the arena chanting Ronda. Maybe that's going to be Ronda's partner. Kane. Uh, <laughs> Kane. I can't see Kane lifting like uh yelling for anything. I don't know if that man has ever shouted in his life. 
We go to Darren from Florida. I don't know why I, why I am surprised as we all knew what was coming, but I guess I still had some hope for something else. Anything else less predictable for the men's chamber. Though if nothing else, we fi- I figured we would have more direction for the other participants coming out of tonight, and I really have nothing further other than the Rousey stuff. All I could think about when Elias was in the match was that this should have been and probably was Samoa Joe's spot that he took. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think Joe would have been in Elias's position? I mean, Joe's been hurt for... I mean, he was hurt before the Rumble. So I think, if anything, um, right. Elias was probably... I mean, Jordan and Rollins weren't even, like, originally earmarked for this match. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine, like, had Joe not been hurt, I'm sure that 100% he would have been in this match. Uh, he says, some rough parts tonight to watch with the Rousey-Kurt bad acting and a few spots specifically with Braun having to fall back or go back into the ring for no reason to set up spots. Uh, rest of the card was meh. Andrew writes, the Ronda segment was weird garbage, only saved by the physicality. Nothing made sense and characters weren't consistent. Both chamber matches were fun. Tag matches filler. Nia and Asuka was fine. Bray and Hardy started strong and lost the crowd. Sean from Manchester. Not a bad show, but not a blowaway show. The chamber matches were good, but not great in my opinion. I think tonight proved that Ronda could do what Ronda could do with somebody like Heyman to talk for her. With him being advertised for Fastlane, I now can see Cena challenging Nakamura. Joe, solid show. Women did fine. Chose Bray and Hardy match to take a shower. I chose wisely. Ronda did just fine. Was hoping for some physicality on Stephanie. Who takes a slap like that and does nothing? I'm a Roman guy, but made no sense to pin Braun clean like that. Was hoping for someone to come out of the ring. Didn't happen. Well, you'll have to pay to see her do something about that slap. That's that's the big spot. Is It's not Hunter going through a table. It's Ronda getting her hands on Stephanie. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate checkmate for a babyface. Saeed from Vancouver, very fun show tonight. No real surprises on the results, but they kept a swerve in, in the mind of the fans for the two chamber matches. Hopefully, Nerves got the best of Ronda tonight and that she can prove that she can be better on the mic. On Raw Talk, we got a different John Cena. Seems like he lost his smile and will, no go, will now go out of the norm to make it into WrestleMania. Maybe we can get heel Cena calling out Undertaker. Vish from Victoria. Great promos on the show. Rhonda did well. Well Well-structured promo as well. Started off allowing her to be sincere and humble, even though she seems shoot nervous and ended up winning over the crowd and building a great heel, uh, great, great heat for a one-on-one or tag match with Angle and Hunter. I think that's the last we'll see Ronda Rousey smile on WWE TV, or at least it should be. All in all, predictable outcomes, but great matches, except for Titus Worldwide. Lots of spots in the women's match that were more risk than necessary, but Alexa came out of it looking really strong, 7.5 out of 10. The genius says, we all knew what was coming. I don't like the prospects of Brock and Reigns a year ago when word came out that that was a plan. I like it even less now. The women's chamber match was easily my match of the night. MJ from NJ, baffling booking on the road to WrestleMania. Rousey and Kurt can't get one clear sentence out, and Kurt can't remember the most basic details, but we'll be paired together. I wonder if that Mania 21 flub will cost him that spot. Roman and Asuka won as expected, but then got destroyed on the way out by bigger competitors. Bray needs to go away for a very long time. Maybe a dip into the lake of reincarnation and come back as Husky Harris. Where is Samoa Joe? Nobody pinned anybody to set up potential fallout feuds, making the Miz pointless in the men's match. At least an IC program could have been teased. Bliss was a star tonight. She's the best main roster success story for the for talent that were only fringe NXT characters. It says highlight of the night was the announcement of the Golden Lovers taking on the Bucks. That's one, I think, criticism you can make of the men's chamber match was they really didn't set up much for mm-hmm. anyone beyond Roman Reigns. 
Is Joe still uh, injured? Yes. Do you, do we know if he'll make it to Mania? I think it's going to be touch and go, um, depending on the severity of his injury. Right. We go to Don from Sunnyvale, California. The best part of the show was the fun storytelling with Rousey and the follow-up to WrestleMania 31. I've never seen a Rousey fight, but loved the crowd's reaction after the Stephanie slap. Some fellow had a Ronda Lousey sign in the crowd, and I thought the fans were crapping on the segment at first by chanting that. I got a good chuckle out of Triple H's excuse for escorting Angle from the ring. Both chamber matches... Matches were entertaining, though, with no surprises for the men's match. Who else would it be other than Reigns or Strowman? I would have liked to have seen a new contender. I'm really liking what they're doing with Cena, as he's the older ball player whose career is in decline. As for the women's match, those you deserve a chance are becoming very, very cringeworthy. Nice setup with Banks and Bailey, though. From Kenrique, the Rousey segment should have been shit. And for a bit, it totally was. But then Rousey stopped talking. I believe for a second she could wreck everyone in that ring. I was into it. I'm not 100% sure I care about where the angle is going, but I'll give it time. I'll say that Ronda has potential, if absolutely nothing else, and that segment made me feel a little more positive about her. I think once people see her in, in ring, like they will be very impressed. I mean, the thing is, I wonder if Stephanie is the body for her to kind of demonstrate her abilities against, because she... <sighs> If she were to face somebody like an Asuka, for, for instance, I could see her doing far more impressive feats in ring. Um, like, she just has to go out there and put on a judo demonstration, and people would freak out. So I, I, I really do feel like in ring she, she could be spectacular. Maybe that's uh, going to happen with uh, Heath Slater on TV. Please, do that. Why not? Sacrifice him. Like, yeah, Heath Slater is there for that reason. So... What, you think you'll have Heath Slater, like, coming out and taunting her for, like, um, what could Heath, how could, well, how could you, how could Heath Slater play into, like, this whole thing? Okay, well, uh, doesn't matter. He could, he could come out, uh, he could do it to the, she could do it to the Miz, okay, or the Miztourage, you know, like, have, have the Miztourage make fun of her movies or something, and then, boom, uh, uh, Saka, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever judo name you can throw out there. Ken Ken, finally, from the internet. I probably don't need to say anything else other than I tuned in just as Bliss did her high spot, only for Banks to no-sell it to a submission very quickly. I, it felt flat after that for the remainder of the night. The Raw tag title match was just white noise as I spent most of the match on Twitter while my roommate was talking to his mother about her kidney stones. Seriously, that conversation was more interesting than the Bar vs. Titus Worldwide. I felt the same way for Wyatt and Hardy. Again, it seemed like two men just wrestling to wrestle. The men's chamber wasn't special either. I didn't feel like any storylines were being created or developed. All right. That's going to wrap up the feedback. So thank you to all of you for posting tonight on the Post Wrestling Forum. We're going to be back on Monday night after what will probably be a pretty noteworthy Raw from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, featuring Brock Lesnar and... Likely Ronda Rousey on the show as well. So probably pretty big show, I would imagine, way as they start to shape up the WrestleMania card. Do you think we see any, like, um, you know, inspiration from last week's card with uh, the way they dragged out their first, their first and second segments? I don't think tomorrow night we will. I, I do see them possibly doing a women's gauntlet match over the next month. I don't think they'd do the two-hour deal. Like, maybe it would take up the first hour of Raw, like mm -hmm. 45 minutes or so. 
I could see them doing that again before WrestleMania when they have to set up the women's contender. Right. Interesting. So that will be uh, – we will chat with you Monday night. We'll also be back Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown and all of our regular schedule of shows that are coming up this week. So uh, keep it tuned to postwrestling.com. You can also go to patreon.com slash postwrestling. And this week's bonus show on Friday will be the monthly Ask Away. And where can people go post their questions, Way? They can post them at forum.postwrestling.com if you are a Patreon member. Uh, just simply log in using the same email or just using directly your Patreon account, and uh, you will have access to the Post Wrestling Cafe section where you can leave a question for Ask Away. As well, if you're a double, double, and above member, uh, John and I on Friday, Thursday actually, we went to the NXT house show in Mississauga, and uh, you can see some of what we saw as well as listen to an exclusive review of ours in our video blog. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So we have a, a rundown of the show with our thoughts and some uh, some live footage from the show. So you can go check that out if you are a double-double member or above. So that is it for us. We will speak with you on Monday night.